0: Although the magnitude of climate change may make individuals feel helpless, individual action is critical for meaningful change. Said by Mi Armstrong. Welcome back listeners to the new episode of Talking Climate Change with Yashnegi. In this episode we will continue our Antarctica series ahead and yes, it is the part 3 and the last part of Antarctica in which we will cover the plant life and the mineral life in Antarctica. So, let us begin. So, as we know from previous two podcasts about Antarctica that it is a continent located at the southernmost point of the globe. Millions of years ago, this landmass was attached to a giant landmass that consisted of modern-day South America, India and Africa. Powerful underground forces ribbed a large piece of land from this giant landmass which then drifted to its current position at the bottom of the globe. The Indian, Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean surround it on all sides antarctica is surrounded on all sides by water the atlantic pacific and the indian oceans all meet at antarctica the three oceans are collectively called the southern ocean this is the area located south of 50 degree latitude antarctica is considered the coldest and driest continent on earth temperatures decrease as one moves from coastal region inland temperatures during the long dark winters range from minus 4 degree fahrenheit to minus 22 degrees fahrenheit on the coast minus 40 degree Fahrenheit to 90 degree Fahrenheit inland during the summers coastal temperatures average 32 degree Fahrenheit occasionally climbing to 50 degree Fahrenheit while the inland summer temperatures range from minus 4 degree Fahrenheit to minus 31 degree Fahrenheit let's talk about the plant life in Antarctica as we know the cold desert climate of Antarctica supports only an impoverished community of cold tolerant land plant that are capable of surviving lengthy winter periods of total or near total darkness during which photosynthesis cannot take place growth must occur in short summer bursts lasting only a few days a few weeks or a month or a two depending upon such diverse factors as latitude seasonal snowpacks elevation topographic orientation wind and moisture in both the substrate and the atmosphere moisture is the most important single variable and is provided mainly by atmospheric water vapor and by local melt surprise from fallen snow drift, snow, and permafrost. Stream runoff is exceedingly rare because extreme cold high winds and aerobutally inhibit growth even in summer in most areas. There are, however, certain areas at high latitude and high elevation that have local microclimate formed by differential solar heating of dark surfaces. And And these areas are able to support life. The importance of such microclimate was demonstrated by second baird Antarctic expedition happened in 1933 to 1935, which found that lichens in Mary Bayard land grow prefer, preferentially on darker colored heat absorbing rock. Humans have greatly influenced the natural ecosystem in many Antarctic and subantarctic regions. Alien species of vascular plants near whaling stations have been introduced, and doubtless many alien microorganisms exist near all Antarctic stations. Alien herbivores, chiefly sheep and rabbits, have decimated plant communities on many sub Antarctic islands. Rabbits have determined have exterminated the native cabbage over wide areas on Kerguelen, and sheep have decimated to soak communities on South Georgia. Increasing numbers of tourists will have an impact on Antarctica's fragile ecosystem. Let's continue and let's talk about animal life which is land fauna. The native land fauna is wholly invertebrate, apparently climatically less tolerant and less easily dispersed. The fauna follows plant colonization of newly deglaciated regions and therefore is not as widely distributed. The Antarctic microfauna includes helizoans, rotifiers, tardigrades, nematodes, and ciliate protozoans. The protozoans dominate soil and freshwater communities. The terrestrial microfauna consists entirely of arthropods, many species being parasitic on birds and seals. The principal arthropod Groups represented include Acrania, which is mites, biting lice, and springtails, and also sucking lice. Two species of beetle, probably alien, are known from islands near the Antarctic Peninsula. The dominant free living forms, mites and springtails, live under snows and are associated with spore reproducing plants. Let's continue and talk about the birds. About 45 species of birds live south of the Antarctic Convergence, but only three, the Emperor Penguin, Antarctic Petrel, and South Polar, breed exclusively on the continent or on nearby island. An absence of mammalian land predators and the rich offshore food supply make Antarctic coast a heaven for immense seabird rookeries. Penguins of the order symbolizes this polar region, though they live on the seacoast throughout the southern hemisphere. Of the 18 living species, only the Ad and Emperor lives along the Antarctic coastline. The habitats of five other polar species, which is King, Chinstrap, Gento, Rockhopper, and Markroni, extend only for far south as the northern Antarctic peninsula and sub-Antarctic island. The evolution of the flightless birds has been traced to the Eocene epoch, also 40 million years ago, using fossil fossils found on seymour island of the northern another tip of the antarctic peninsula and at few places the largest modern penguin which is the emperor standing between three and four feet which is 0.9 to 1.2 meters would be dwarfed by some of the extinct new zealand and seymour island relatives the fossil bones of which indicate that they reached heights up to 1.7 meters some authorities believe that penguins may have shared ancestry with other birds of Antarctica capable of flight from the other pluriferous birds. So birds of that order mainly species of petrels, but also a uh, feast of albustos makes up more than half of the Antarctic and sub-Antarctic breeding species. Other birds of the region include species of cormorants, gulls, terns and pipits. Feeding habits vary widely from species to species. Most depend on the abundantly provisioned la- larder of the sea. The seabird feed mainly on crustacea fish and squid, mostly at the surface or in the case of cormorants and penguins at depths down to about 150 feet. Shore birds forage for mollusk and littor crustacea. Sheed builds the southern black bagged gull, Giant petrels and skuas feed occasionally, as allowed on other birds' unguarded eggs. Dependent upon seafood, most birds leave the continent each autumn and follow Antarctica's secondary coastline as the ice pack builds no- northward. The emperor penguins, however, are the exception, remaining behind as solitary guide- guardians of the continent through the long winter night. The emperor, once thought. Rare, number about 600,000 birds is more than 40 known colonies. Let's talk about the economic resources, starting with exploration for resources. The search for economic resources led to the first sustained human interaction in Antarctica. Most early Antarctic expeditions through the 19th century had either direct or indirect economic incentives. For some expeditions, the search for new trading routes was the objective for others. The objective was the opening of a new fur sealing ground or the possibility of mineral riches. The exploration of natural resources has been centered on the sub-Antarctic and Antarctic seas and the coastal regions. From the late 18th century to the 1930s, whaling and sealing were the main economic activities in the Antarctic regions. After hunting, decimated whale and seal stocks and the demand for these products decreased, whaling and sealing collapsed. Scientific exploration demonstrated that while mineral riches exist in Antarctica, the conditions for profitable extraction do not, and over time, scientific activities beca- became the main political and economic activity in Antarctica. Natural resource exploitation on the continent has thus far been limited to biological prospecting, that is, extraction. Of bioactive compounds for commercial uses such as for pharmaceuticals and cosmetics tourism while still largely confined to the Antarctic Peninsula has expanded inland as far as a south put let's continue and talk about mineral resources the geology of Antarctica is known sufficiently well to allow rather certain prediction of the existence of a variety of mineral deposits some probably large the fact that none of significant side, size besides coal in the transantarctic mountains and the iron near the prince charles mountain of east antarctica are known to exist is largely the result of inadequate sampling with exposed rock estimated to form less than one half of one percent of antarctica's land area the probability is practically non-existent that a potential ore body would be exposed moreover whereas Generations of prospectors have calmed temperature and even Arctic mountains, it was mostly reconnaissance parties on scientific missions who visited Antarctic mountains. The high degree of certainty that mineral deposits uh, mineral deposits do exist is based on the close geologic similarities that have been observed between areas of Antarctica and mineral rich. Provinces of South America, South Africa, and Australia, and on the scientific consensus about the configuration of the Gondwana landmass during Mesozoic times, the gold-producing, with-water sand beds of South Africa may correspond to the terrains of Western Queen Maud Land. The young mountain belt of the copper-rich South American Andes continues southward, looping through the Scotia Arc into the Antarctic Peninsula and probably beyond into elsewhere's land. The mostly ice-covered areas of Wilkes land may parallel the gold-producing green stone belts and platinum-bearing intrusion of southwestern Australia. The dufic intrusion and immense-layered gabbroic complex in the northern Pensacola Mountains is geologically similar to, though much uh, younger than the bushveld complex of south africa which is a leading producer of platinum group metals chromium and other resources resources as well so scientific expeditions have found valuable minerals in some of these antarctica areas include antimony chromium copper gold lead molybdenum tin uranium and zinc None approach a grade or size warranting economic interest. Also non-economic are the very large deposit of coal and sedimentary iron. Because of the high cost of polar operations, few c- conceivable resources excepting those with high unit values such as platinum, gold and perhaps diamond have any likelihood for exploitation. Offshore resources of petroleum, however, are a different matter. You know the finding of gaseous hydrocarbon in cores drilled in the Ross Sea by the Glomer Challenger in 1973 aroused considerably international interest. Since the late 1970s oceanographic research ships of many nations including France, Germany, West Germany until 1990, Japan and the United States have undertaken detailed studies on the structure of the continental margin using the sophisticated geophysical techniques of seismic reflection and gravity and magnetic surface. Thickness of sedimentary rock needed for sizeable petroleum accumulation may occur in continental margin areas of the Rose, Amutsen, Bellinghusen and Weddell Seas and perhaps near the Emery Ice Shelf and some may also exist in inland basins covered by continental ice, particularly in inland basins covered by continental ice, particularly in West Antarctica. It seems unlikely, however, that fields of a size needed for exploitation are present. If found, any petroleum extraction would be difficult but not impossible in the offshore areas as technologies have been developed for drilling for and recovering petroleum in Arctic regions. However, iceberg drift and moving ice packs would affect drill ships and platforms more severely than in the Arctic. Icebergs are commonly far larger than those in the Arctic and have been deeper keels. They score the seafloor at deeper level and would be more likely to damage seafloor installations such as well heads, pipelines and mooring system. These problems, though great, are far fewer than that would be encountered in developing inland mineral resources of any kind. Thus petroleum is generally considered to be the most likely prospect for exploitation in Antarctica. There is still little potential for its development before reserves are consumed from more accessible areas throughout the world. Even if accidentally found through scientific studies, mineral resources cannot currently be commercially explored or exploited under the 1991 Protocol on Environmental Protection to the Antarctic Treaty. So this was about mineral. Let's talk about the biological resources. Marine resources first attracted people to Antarctica and provided the only basis for commercial activity in this region for many years. More marine resource extraction takes place in the sub-Antarctic and the rest of the southern ocean that in the waters of Antarctica's continental shelf and continental slope, which can be piled only by ice-capable vessel. Commercially, fur sealing began during the second half of the 18th century in the Falkland Island and rapidly spread to all sub-antarctic islands in the seal to supply the wealthy markets of Europe and China. The industry made immense profit, but the toll on mammal population was equally immense. Early accounts relate that millions of skin were taken from the Falkland during the mid-1780s. Within the century, however, the herds of the fur seals had all but disappeared. The first Antarctic mammal, hunted for their oil well elephant seal. The industry began in 1825 but rapidly declined in the 1880s. An Antarctic whaling began in the earnest in 1904, following the observation of whale stocks during a Swedish expedition to Antarctica. Stocks elsewhere in the world were depleted and technologically advances and demand for whale products such as oil and balance turned Antarctica whaling into a lucrative industry that peaked after World War I. There are two marine protected areas, MPAs, in the Antarctic region. MPAs are parcels of ocean that are managed according to the Special Regulation to Conserve Biodiversity. The South Orkney Island Southern Shelf MPA, which was declined in 2009 in 36,300 square miles, which is 94,000 square kilometers in area. A larger MPA, the Ross Sea Region MPA, was declared in 2017 and is about five nine eight five zero zero square miles in area biological prospecting has become a matter of growing ethical and environmental debate since it exists in both the scientific and economic realms the practice entails the commercial development of products from from compounds extracted from living organisms antarctic organisms have evolved in extreme conditions and have unique adoptions such as freeze resistant proteins that add to their economic potential several commercially interesting antarctic compounds have been discovered since the late 1990s the antarctic treaty system currently lacks an instrument to regulate biological prospecting and the scientists are concerned that unrestricted biological prospecting could contribute to species population declines during the first two decades of the 20th century commonly called the heroic era of antarctic exploration great advances were made in not only geographic but also scientific knowledge of the continent at the turn of the century, expeditions scrambled to explore Antarctica. They proved the feasibility of Antarctic over winter whelming and introduced new technologies. The Belgian ship Belgica, under command of Edwin D Gerlache, became the first vessel to winter in Antarctic waters when from March eighteen ninety eight to march eighteen ninety nine it was trapped and drifted in pack ice of the Belgian Chausen Sea. A scientific party under Norway explorer Carsons E spent the next winter camped at Cape Adare for the first plant overwintering on the continent. So this brings me to the very last point of biological resources which is the Biological National Antarctic Exped- Expeditions which is from 1901 to 1904 led by a British naval officer and explorer Robert Falcon Scott on board the discovery set a new record for reaching the, fur- the farthest point south when Scott together with Anglo-Irish explorer Ernest H. Shackleton and English explorer Edward A. Wilson reached 82 degree 17 dash south on the Ross ice shelf on, no- on December 30, 1902. Scott also went aloft in a tethered balloon for, seri- for aerial reconnances and Shackleton first used motorized transport at Cape Roads, Ross Island during the Nimrod expedition which from which is from which held from 1907 to 1909. Other earlier heroic era expeditions were launched from France, Germany and Sweden. Some of were privately funded and some were state funded. Most involved the national of, of severe countries. The latter part of the heroic age centered on the race of the South Pole and the Antarctica first. So this brings us to the last point of biological resources and yes of course the last part of this podcast i hope you like the podcast and you found it very helpful and very knowledgeable keep following me on twitter at real Ashnegi, and in every suggestions are welcome in the email id given in the description below thank you guys for your time it really means a lot to me that you listen to my podcast by investing your valuable time it really means a lot to me and thank you for showing such so much of love to my podcast it really means a lot and and i will catch you guys up into the next episode of talking climate change with yashnegi till then be safe have fun god bless you all